Welcome once again to Devotional. This is lesson number seven for Friday, December 7. Well, yesterday got a little long. <laughs> I didn't realize that until I stopped the recording. I was like, whoa, I think that's may have been one of the longest ones uh, we have done, but I, I was rich. I hope you were blessed. I don't know if you were able to listen in, in, listen to it in one sitting, um, but man, there was just so much. So anyways, uh, I'm going to close Friday with just a, a shorter, <laughs> hopefully, uh, thought um, regards to what we talked about on Monday. You know, this reconciling ourselves with members that are missing that are no longer part of the church, missing sheep, whatever we want to call it. Um, Jesus um, wants us to think of what we said yesterday, right? I repeated it. Wounds should hurt us, both personal wounds and church wounds. And someone, someone's absence should hurt me. You know, someone that is no longer there, not because they, they're members of another church or they've moved to another state and they're going to another church somewhere else. I'm happy for that. I'm talking about individuals that used to come to our church and their absence from church is pretty indicative of the spiritual life. The, the God has no longer, is, is no longer a central part of their lives and spiritually they're wilting away. They're wounded. And I wrote some things down, some thoughts. Um, I should hurt enough to want to pray. At least that part. Uh, I want to read to you a, a mission story uh, related to Monday's lesson. It, it is from our lesson. It's uh, from page uh, 92 from my lesson. I guess if you have a hard copy, it will be from page 63 in your edition. And of course, the title of it is called Praying for Missing Sheep, Praying for Missing Persons. It is written by Lord Lloyd Perrin. He is a senior pastor at the Milton Seventh-day Adventist Church in Milton Freewater, Oregon. And he also pastors the Blue Mountain Valley Mission Church in Athena, Oregon. And this is what Pastor Perrin has to say about praying for our members. He says, the church that I pastor in the U.S. Uh, state of Oregon has an official membership of 491 people, but only 38% of those members are active, a number that inches up to 44% if you include elderly members who are ho housebound because of physical or mental disabilities. That means 56% of our members are inactive a figure that I haven't found to be unusual during my decades of pastoring churches in the United States. The problem is not limited to U.S. churches. Worldwide, nearly half of all people baptized into the Seventh-day Adventist Church over the past 50 years have ended up leaving. But the church has an obligation to shepherd the flock. The Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 5.2, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you. So we have started going through our membership records at the Milton Seventh-day Adventist Church in Milton Freewater, Oregon. I will distribute a list of these missing members to each church officer. We will pray daily for each missing member by name and ask God to help us reconnect with them. Amen. 
Surprises abounded when I gave a similar prayer challenge at my previous church in Spokane, Washington. About three weeks after we started to pray, I received a letter from a woman who had left the church 15 years earlier. The woman had quit church after failing to return a storybook from the church library. She had moved to another state and, she wrote, had been too lazy to find a way to return the book. But guilt had gnawed at her heart, praise the Lord for the Holy Spirit, giving us convictions even of unreturned books. Uh, but guilt had gnawed at her heart and then grown into a cancer that poisoned her relationship with God. Wow. The woman wrote that she had suddenly remembered the book and felt convicted to reach out to the church. She apologized for taking the book and enclosed $50 to cover the book's cost and 15 years of interest on its value. That's amazing. Prayer is amazing. I mean, not prayer, the God we pray to is amazing. He finishes saying, I called up the woman immediately and learned that her sense of conviction had begun growing only when our church had started to pray 1,500 miles away. Wow. I put her in touch with her local Adventist pastor, and she became an active member of that church. Soon, we will also pray for missing Milton members. We need to find our missing sheep and invite them home. How do you feel about that? Let me go back to our earlier thought. Right before I read the mission story, I finished with that statement. Um, wounds should hurt me and hurt me enough to pray. And the moment I wrote that, you know, I, I, I thought about the reality of prayer. You know, what he just said, you know, I gave a list to my church officers. Um, I remember being given a list of people to pray for before an evangelistic series. And a week later, I couldn't tell you where that list was. It says a lot about me, even though I had a church position in, Harris, in the Harrisburg Church. It says a lot about my prayer life. So I wrote, right, that yes, I should hurt enough to pray. But I put that there's, there has to be a, a, a pre-prayer to this prayer. And I, I wrote this down and I underlined it. It says, the prayer that I need to pray before I even pray for other people will be the most emotionally empty prayer I, I may ever make. The choice to pray for other people, that initial prayer, might, it will probably be the most emotionally devoid choice I've ever made in regards to prayer. And what I mean is, you and I right now, maybe, possibly, don't feel a huge burden to pray for missing members. In fact, we may not even be able to recall their names. But this lesson, at this time, in God's providence, is asking us to. I believe He is. This um, exercise of prayer is one of the manifestations of reflex, the, the, the reflex sensitivity. When members go missing, it should hurt me. And even if it's 15 years later, if God taps me in my knee, my knee should jerk. If the Holy Spirit brings this conviction to my heart, 
you will not feel like praying. Don't wait until you feel like praying for missing members. You won't. You know, I, I wrote that down. The choice to pray for missing members will most likely be the most emotionally empty, emotionally arid, dry prayer initially you will make. But it will not stay that way. I want to read to you a quote from a book called Acts of the Apostles by Ellen White. There's one little sentence that I would actually, uh, one, two, three, four, five words that I want to focus on from this uh, short paragraph. It says this, God wishes us to have the mastery of ourselves, but he cannot help us without our consent and cooperation. The divine spirit works through the powers and faculties given to man. Of ourselves, we are not able to bring the purposes and desires and inclinations into harmony with the will of God. But, here it is, but if we are willing to be made willing, the Savior will accomplish this for us. Of ourselves, I'm going to read it again, of ourselves, we are not able to bring the purposes and desires and inclinations into harmony with the will of God. But if we are willing to be made willing, the Savior will accomplish this for us. You know what that means? That this willing to be made willing has no emotions attached to it. It is a pure choice. A choice of saying, I feel the conviction. I feel that God is asking me to do this. And though the, the emotions, the all oh, passion to pray for, it won't be there initially. But I can guarantee you that if you take this step of faith and be consistent with it, God will make you willing because you were willing to be made willing. <laughs> I hope that makes sense. It makes sense to me. Uh, I told you a couple of weeks ago how my friend John Luttle and I began praying. And the reason I wrote that emotionally empty is because that's how our prayers were at first. Arid, mechanical, predictable, cliches. Our hearts really were not in it, but we made that choice and we made it over and over and over again. And eventually, God accomplished that for us. He gave us the willing, the desire to, so that his purposes could be fulfilled. You know, uh, Robert Smith, um, when I was in Pennsylvania, told me that a, a wise man, an older man, told him one time that uh, good marriage advice, the best marriage advice he ever got. He said, you know, sometimes in your marriage, you get to dry spots, dry spells. And the romance, the feelings are not there anymore, right? So what do you do? And he told me that he heard this. I don't know if he was a pastor, another elder. I don't know. I can't remember. But Bob basically said that, this man said, when you, don't when you no longer feel like you love your wife, get her flowers. That's all he said, get her flowers. And Bob said, you know, it doesn't make sense. It's counterintuitive. You would think that he would say, do this and the feelings that will lead you to get her flowers will come back. But this man said, no, you, you do the things that you would normally do if you had the feelings. You do those things and eventually, in, in a short while, the feelings will come back. Um, if you do those things, the feelings will come back. And you will recognize that you do love your wife. And 
if you'll grow, you'll mature into that, that the absence of emotions and feelings will not equate, I, I must not love. But, of course, you will not say, well, I, I guess I don't need to get her flowers since I know I do love her. No. You know, it's exactly the same thing Jesus said to the church in Ephesus. This church that had lost, had left, actually, I, I said it wrong, had left her first love for her husband. But I have this against you, says Jesus in Revelation 2.4. I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and get the feelings back. That, that secular song, you know, you've lost that loving feeling by two brothers that used to sing Christian songs. That's what they were called, the Righteous Brothers, until they found they could make more money singing for the world. You've lost that loving feeling? No, Jesus doesn't want you to regain your loving feeling. He says, do the deeds, do the things you did at first, and the emotions will come. So this idea of praying for the lost member sounds noble, sounds heroic, and very few do it. I appreciated Pastor Perrin sharing that, that testimony because it reconvicts me personally to continue pressing the throne of grace for God in behalf of those people that are on my phone list, on my prayer list. It, it, it rekindles my conviction. But you know what? I may not always feel the conviction. There are mornings and I'm exhausted. You know, one of our girls wakes up at three in the morning, doesn't go back to five, bed, bed back to five. Dalene usually tries to take the brunt of those late nights so that I can have a fresh mind for ministry. But there are times that I, I need to help her. She's also exhausted. And I wake up exhausted. And I'm falling asleep trying to pray for people. But I press. Because when I act with no emotions, it doesn't mean I'm being fake. It actually may mean that I'm being as real as I possibly can be. And all I'm saying to God is, Father, I lack the willingness, but I am willing to be made willing. I'm bending my knees because I'm willing to come into your presence so that you will make me willing. You will put the desires and passions and, and convictions in my heart, those emotions, that I will do this with all my heart. But I can't do that on my own. I, I cannot produce that on my own. So my church is Oakwood and Monroe. We need to pray for missing members. And I don't think we need to go to a committee and vote for this to happen. I don't think we need to, you know, can, can someone make a motion? Do we have a second? Really? No. If you are listening to this, someone's name has probably already come to your mind. The Spirit of God has probably made you aware of someone that you care for. And it does hurt you that that person is not in church anymore. What are you going to do? What will be your reflex reaction? One of sensitivity? I pray it will be. I pray that you will begin to pray and say, Lord, I don't want to start now and then let it fade out. Forget about it. Make me willing to be made willing. Lord, here I am. I am willing to be made willing and choose to pray. Just takes the steps forward. Even if the feelings aren't there, write these names down on a piece of paper. Put them on your phone if you need to and set reminders, alarms, whatever necessary so that you will do your part in letting God know. But he says that right at the beginning of that quote, but he cannot help us without our consent and cooperation. Do what's within your capacity and then the Lord will do his part as well. And for me, personally, I am confident that if this little spark, this little flame 
begins in your heart, it will spread to other members in the Oakwood Church, in the Monroe Church, whatever church you belong to that are listening to this. And if we begin to pray, even members that are 1,500 miles away, the Spirit of God will begin to work in their hearts. And these sheep that have left the shepherd will come back to the fold. Don't you want to see that happen in your church, my friend, in our churches? I do. What will be your reflex reaction?